Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it's almost game time, and you've got the crew. Yes, myself, Brian Anthony Davis from Behind the Steel Curtain, and our X's and O's expert, Mr. KT Smith. Kevin, how are you this evening? Doing great, Brian. Good to be with you, man. Well, I am so glad you're here, too, because we're finally going to get a chance to talk about some real football again. I know we had to go a long time in what seemed like the longest offseason as well. We started rolling, and then we run into the COVID situation with the Tennessee Titans, and I promise that's all we're going to talk about that situation in this, in this uh, little segment of our uh, podcast platform. And I got to tell you, I'm so glad to stop talking about that and start talking about some real football once again. And the Philadelphia Eagles are coming to Heinz Field in front of 5,500 fans. I'm really excited about that. Kevin, what's your thoughts? And what about the fans? Is it going to make a big difference to this team? You know, I've been surprised by how loud these small numbers of fans have have been at games. I think it'll be a I mean, I think to play in front of just anybody live will be exciting for these guys. You know, I don't think that that stuff determines the outcomes of games. Emotion and adrenaline usually wears off pretty quickly, and then it gets down to basic fundamentals. But uh, just the just the terrible towels in the in the uh, stands and a sense of normalcy. I think that'll be great for our guys. Back in July, Michael Beck and myself had an interview with. Jordan Dangerfield of the Pittsburgh Steelers and we asked him because we've had this question all the time because the fans love when you hear oh mama when you (laughs) hear sticks and you hear renegade and like does that really mean anything to the Steelers so we asked Jordan Dangerfield and one of the things he said is like you know what that fires us up too you can hear us we're singing on the sidelines we're getting pumped up we see those towels going the fans are going crazy it means a whole lot to us. And we were just talking on the Steeler preview. So make sure you check out the preview as well as this show, the pregame show on all of your podcast platforms, the favorite place that you download your shows. And if you check out the preview, I talked about this. The fans are going to make a difference, even if it's 5,500. Because back in the day, and you, you know this, Kevin, remember albums? Not a lot of the kids these days don't under, don't know what an LP is, all right? But albums, back in the day, every, it seemed like every single artist or comedian, they would play in front of a live crowd, and they'd go ahead and put it on an album, and it was like the Eagles live, Steve Martin live, Bob Seger live, and it was a big deal. And when you listened to those albums, you felt like you were in an arena. And especially, like I mentioned Steve Martin, the comedy albums – that they weren't big venues. They were small venues, maybe about 2,000 fans. Some of these were intimate places, but when you heard it, the crowd was loud and they were into it. And I think 5,500 fans could make noise for everyone. Kevin, what do you think? Oh, yeah. By the way, the, the first album I ever bought in my life was Get Your Yaya's Out by the Rolling Stones, which was a <laughs> uh, live record from, uh, I think, Madison Square Garden. But, uh, yeah, man, nothing right. Live music, it's just got a different vibe, you know, like when it's when it's real. Um, you know, even they're pumping in noise in these stadiums. Uh, um, and it's, it's just kind of loud, but it's it's inauthentic. It's like a drum machine versus a, a dude playing real drums, you know. So like, um, I, I, yeah, I absolutely think that there'll be some goosebumps going and there'll be a, there'll be a different energy. 
I, you know, I can't wait. And I am so excited for the fans that are going to be there. It is going to be a nice atmosphere because, you know, Steeler fans show up. And when they show up, they are going to be loud and they're going to be heard. And the Steeler fans that are going to be showing up this game, they're, I like to say that they're professional fans because <laughs> the, the ones that are coming to this game, they're the diehards and they're going to be extra loud. So I think it's going to be fantastic. I think the team's going to be fired up. And you're playing a team that even though they won last week, they're one, two, and one. They haven't lost. Actually, they've they're undefeated in the last two games because of that tie in week three, but they're wounded on that offensive line. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the Philadelphia Eagles, Kevin, are always dangerous to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Head to head, 48, 23, and three in favor of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, when I bring out those stats, and we talked about this with the Giants, we talked about this with uh, the Washington football team, the Chicago Bears. When you look at those teams, you're going to say, okay, you know, they played so many times when the NFL was just a small league and the Steelers were doormats at the time. So you could look at that and say, okay, 20 games above 500, 48 and 28 and three, that's not the Steelers we know. But yeah, it is the Steelers we know when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. Since 1969, and that's a year before the merger, but that's when things started to turn around because that's when Chuck Knoll came in. Your number one draft pick was Joe Green. Jack Ham was on that team as well. But since in those 51 years, the Steelers are only four and eight against the Philadelphia Eagles. And we are just lucky that this game is in Heinz Field because they have not won in Philadelphia. Do you, do you know the year, the last time they won in Philadelphia, Kevin? Uh, I do not. I do not. Before, but I'm sure it's a long time ago. <laughs> it's before both of us were born. 1965. Okay. So I'm yeah. so glad it's not in Philly. I will tell you that. But the Steelers have had problems against the Philadelphia Eagles and I got to tell you, they're cross-state rivals. This is for the Pennsylvania State Championship. And I think this is just a different Pittsburgh Steelers team. So I'm excited for this team. So let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. They're wounded, Kevin. They have a rough offensive line. Carson Wentz doesn't seem to be the same guy. They're losing wide receivers. I mean, if you have Alshon Jeffrey, if you have... Deshaun Jackson, they are not 100%. What is your overview of this Philadelphia Eagles team? Well, I mean, I'll start by saying this. Uh, I mean, I live in South Jersey. I'm surrounded by Eagles fans. Um, you know, I hear, I hear all the talk radio, and I listen to my buddies talk about them. And, um, you know, there's, there, there's a, a wide array of opinions on them right now. Um, you know, there's some doom and gloomers, and there's some people who are pining for Nick Foles and, uh, I get. I think that it, the you know the big issue with them is centers around Carson Wentz. You know what's going what's going on with him when he was a a rookie and then his second year in 2017 when he was an MVP candidate before he wrecked his uh, his knee in Dallas. Um, you know he looked like a young Ben Roethlisberger man. He was he had a big arm. He was confident. He could extend plays, and he just doesn't look like the same guy anymore. There was a really telling moment a couple weeks ago when. Um, the Eagles were playing, I can't remember who it was, the Rams. And um, 
And after the game, Doug Peterson came out and he publicly criticized Carson Wentz. And his criticism was really interesting. What he said was Wentz threw an end zone interception on a post route. And Peterson said that, you know, it was on the backside of a play. And he said that that throw was on the backside and it was not in the progression. And it was bad judgment on Carson's part. And then I went back and I looked at the throw. And it was a, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a post route and he threw it on a line, which you never want to do down near the goal line because, you know, defensive backs let everything play over their heads. They use the, you know, the back of the end zone as an extra defender. So you got to put the ball up high if you're throwing to the middle of the field and he threw it on a line and the corner undercut it and picked it off. And it just told me a couple of things. It told me one, you know, he's kind of doing his own thing. If, if the, if the progression is on the front side, the coaching staff wants you to throw the ball on the front side. You don't have time to get to a backside read near the goal line unless you're running around, scrambling around. And then it also told me, you know, that like fundamentally he didn't quite get mechanically what he was supposed to do in that moment. So, so I don't know. Where are his issues? Are they, are they mental? Are they, is he uncoachable? Has he reached the point where he's kind of hit a ceiling? Because, you know, he was a, he was a 22 personnel power quarterback in college. And, um, I wonder, you know, where was that success in the first couple of years? Something that just took a de- defense is a little bit to figure him out. Um, so I don't know, man. I really have interesting questions about where Carson Wentz is these days. All that said, he looked pretty good against San Francisco last week with a, a JV receiving core and a patchwork offensive line. So, so maybe, you know, maybe he's turning a corner. But I think the Eagles go as he goes. Is there enough pedigree, though, with Carson Wentz where he could still be very dangerous to the Steelers team? One of the things that you brought up in uh, in some notes throughout the week that I was taking a look at is he's still very dangerous when he is flushed out of the pocket. He could run, but he could throw on the run. What are your main concerns, though, if we're looking at the other side of this thing? How could Carson Wentz beat the Steelers? Yeah, I thought the Eagles did a nice job of scheming him out of the pocket last week. There was a lot of boots and a lot of rollouts. They recognized that they were, you know, kind of patched up up front. And um, and they did a, a nice job to get him away from the rush where, like you said, he could be most effective. But, you know, the Steelers, uh, you know, we just saw a quarterback like that in uh, Deshaun Watson. And, um, you know, David Carr was a mobile guy in, in the first week against the Giants. And the Steelers have done a pretty good job of keeping those guys in the pocket. And uh, at least they did in the second half with Deshaun Watson, the adjustments the Steelers made last or in their last game against Houston um, really limited Watson's effectiveness. So they're going to have to scheme for that as well. How, how they'll do that. You know, I'm not sure. I mean, um, you know, we might see some edge blitzes uh, to try to force Wentz to step up into the pocket. We might see some, uh, you know, conservative rushes on the outside by Watt and Dupree to do the same. But you're right. They have to make sure that they turn him into a pocket passer where he can get uh, happy feet and occasionally make some bad decisions. Very good. I, that is a lot of insight, and I do appreciate it. Now, you talked about a patchwork offensive line. How bad is this line? Because now we're looking at the fact that Jason Peters is no longer there. We hear that Lane Johnson is very banged up. Your left tackle is a guy that uh, has not been playing football long. He's an Australian rugby player in Jordan Mailata. Um, so what, I mean, you still have Jason Kelsey, who's a standout on that line, but is this line going to be so much of a liability to the Philadelphia Eagles that the Steelers could rack up sack after sack after sack? 
I mean, they, they could. I mean, that's that's kind of what the party line has been as I've read about the game coming into the week. You know, they gave up three sacks and a, and a ton of pressures last week to San Francisco. The Malata kid, the rugby player, he did he had a pretty good game, though. Um, I think he was only credited with giving up one pressure, no sacks. Uh, but again, a lot of that had to do with the scheme. You know, they, re- they really were able to get Wentz out of the pocket. They got really creative last week. I mean, I think Doug Peterson is a guy that, like, the more you take away from him, the better he schemes. I think he's a really creative coach when he's at a disadvantage. And with all those receivers who were out last week and with a banged up line, he had to get really creative and he did a nice job of that against San Francisco. Now all that stuff's on film. So Keith Butler's, you know, had the better part of two weeks to study it. Um, and that, that means that, that, you know, uh, Peterson's got to go to his next chess move because I, you know, I'm pretty sure that Butler will work to take away some of the things that they did against San Francisco. So what is Peterson's next chess move if it's if if the Steelers can keep Wentz in the pocket and rush against this this offensive line and make them you know five and six man pass protect uh they should have a good day but if and again if they can scheme Wentz out of the pocket it's going to get challenging Michael Beck and I were on Know Your Enemy yesterday along with uh Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation he's the editor there a fantastic uh SB Nation site and they're very down on their team right now. Their team's one, two, and one. You know, we talked about this as a team that could still win the division and go to the playoffs. Their assessment was that there are so many holes on this team and they have too many problems that they don't really deserve to go to the playoffs. Now, hmm. so one of the things that they were talking about is one of my biggest concerns is still how the Steelers are going to handle a guy like Zach Ertz. And they kept on saying, look, he's no George Kittle. He is, uh, they're talking like he is past his prime. I don't believe that in Zach Ertz. I mean, he's going into his eighth year. He's not, he is still a dangerous tight end that the Steelers have trouble with. What are your thoughts on Ertz? He's, I think he's a lot more dangerous when he's got guys on the outside who can stretch the field. Um, if you can let the safeties sort of play low and, and defend him, he's, he's much less effective. Um, but you know, when he had guys like Deshaun Watson or a bigger target, like Alshon Jeffrey, um, who, who, who can take the top off of coverage and then Ertz can operate against linebackers, you know, he's pretty good. I'm going to guess that, um, you know, Terrell Edmonds is going to, is going to, uh, play Ertz in coverage a decent amount. Um, and I think that that matchup has been effective for the Steelers. Jeffrey Benedict, uh, at BTSC wrote a great article about, uh, the Steelers covering tight ends. That, that ran this week, and he talked about how effective Edmonds has been. So if, those, um, if the Steelers' corners can lock down the, the receivers on the outside and not require extra safety help, then that'll help a, a great deal in defending Ertz. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles defense when we come back from a word from our sponsor. So stick around here on the Steelers pregame show, Week 5 against the Philadelphia Eagles. Welcome back to the Pittsburgh Steelers pregame show on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is KT Smith. 
Kevin, how are you? Are you feeling good about the Steelers' chances this weekend? And let me ask you this. That defense of the Philadelphia Eagles, are they a concern? Uh, yes. Yes, they are. I mean, they're, you know, again, I mentioned earlier in the show that I'm, I'm from South Jersey and I've, I got all my buddies who are Eagles fans and, you know, they're just kind of like apoplectic about the defense, man. They just can't uh, – they, they can't even name some of the linebackers and D-backs who are playing – uh, for the Eagles right now, which is, you know, kind of shocking. You know, that said, they got a great front four. Their front four, they really rotate like six guys through there. You know, you got Fletcher Cox and former Steeler Javon Hargrave and Brandon Graham and Malik Jackson. Those are four really good veterans up front. And then, you know, Derek Barnett, um, you know, and Josh Sweat, who, who come off the edge and provide a good push in the pass rush. So the front four is really good. The Eagles have the most sacks in the NFL uh, to this point in the season, the Steelers average more per game because we played one less game. But the Eagles have 17 sacks, which is the most, and they got and they've gotten 14 of them from the that defensive line. So they're not going to blitz, but they're going to do a, a good job getting pressure with their front four, and that's going to let them drop you know a bunch of guys into coverage. Now, you know whether or not that's an effective scheme for them, you know we'll see. I mean, uh, Denver did that to us a couple weeks ago, and Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger threw for over 300 yards and was pretty efficient taking what was there so uh and i think denver's back seven was better than the current back seven of the eagles so if the steelers can figure out a way to keep that front four off of roethlisberger uh he should do pretty well especially with the tight ends man this should be a really big eric ebron vance mcdonald game if you saw the stats uh george kittle called 15 balls last week um on 15 targets so i mean he was they were 15 for 15 throwing to kittle last week uh, because the Eagles linebackers just are are not great in coverage. So I, I think the Steelers can exploit that uh, and, and get Ebron going. The defensive backs for the Philadelphia Eagles are hurting as well. Avante Maddox is out and will not be playing in this game. How susceptible are they? And could the Steelers quartet of wide receivers, can they feast on this crowd? Yeah, I, you know, I don't I, I, I wrote an article, you know, a, a game preview for the site this week. And honestly, other than um, Darius Slay, who they got from the Lions, I didn't know a single name. I mean, you know, they they were honestly they look like a practice squad roster, which isn't to say that they won't be prepared. Uh, but on paper, the matchup of the Steelers wide receivers against the Eagles D backs is a mismatch. And um, you know, and, and the same is true with Ebron and the linebackers. I mean, this could be a really, a really nice opportunity for the Steelers to, to throw the football. We've been really balanced so far this year in our run pass ratio, especially on first and second downs where it's almost 50 50. But I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, the Steelers, you know, come out and, and try to throw it around some to take advantage of that inexperienced back seven. Let's look at keys to victory. What are the number one and number two keys to victory for the Steelers in this game in week five against the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, for me, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pass rush thing on both sides of the ball. You know, like the number one key to me is protecting Ben Roethlisberger. Again, man, if we can keep the Eagles off of him uh, and let him stand in a clean pocket, he, I think he's going to pick apart that zone. And when he gets man coverage, I think he'll take his shots. He showed that in, in uh, the Denver game. You know, Denver played zone almost the entire game. And the and the and one of the few times that they dropped down into man coverage, what, what did he do? He took a shot and hit Chase Claypool for an 84-yard touchdown. So Roethlisberger recognizes coverage is great, and he can exploit whatever you're giving him if you give him time. So I think that's the number one key, man. Give him time to throw. And on the other side of the ball, 
you know, let's get after Wentz. If we can get get to Carson Wentz and pressure him, especially pressure him from the outside in, so he can't escape the pocket, and he gets those happy feet, um, you know, we could we could uh, generate some turnovers. He's got four touchdowns against seven interceptions so far this year. Uh, he's not immune to throwing the ball away or making bad decisions, and I think some pressure in his face will really uh, hopefully uh, exacerbate that. That sounds good to me, and that's what I'm going to be looking out for, and I trust you on that. So those are our keys to victory. So can they capitalize on those keys? Can they stick that key in the door, open it up to victory, Kevin? What's your prediction? Oh, gosh. I've, I labor, I've been laboring about this one. This game makes me nervous, man. It really does. You know, like the Eagles always play with that kind of like little brother chip on their shoulder against the Steelers. You know, like, like the Steelers are the more – renowned franchise and the Eagles are the afterthought in Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, the last time we played, they smoked us 34 to three. And I remember that game back in 2008 when they sacked Ben Roethlisberger like eight or nine times. Oh, brutal. Uh, you remember that one? That, that was nasty. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, man, I got some, you know, I got some, some concerns about this game coming in. Um, but you know, I mean, the Steel- I, I, until the Steelers disappoint us with that, you know, playing down to a weaker opponent thing that everybody always brings up about them. Um, I don't know, man. They just, so far this year, they've just been very businesslike. They've kind of had found a way each week to sort of turn the tide in their favor. And each week they've been the better team, you know? So like they're the better team again this week. And I think it's going to be tough, but I think they'll figure out how to get it done. So, you know, I'm probably in, in like, uh, like 20, you know, 24, 20 steel or something like that. I think it's going to be a close game but I think they'll figure out a way in the second half. So you're saying take the points, but the Steelers win. What's the spread? Seven. Oh, uh, <laughs> this is why I don't bet. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, that's if Yes. I think it's going to be closer than a touchdown game. I do. Yeah. I don't think this is going to be a cakewalk and I've been to cakewalks when I lived in West Virginia. Um, have you ever been to a cakewalk, Kevin? A literal cakewalk. I have yes. not. I you have know, not. They're easy. Everybody wins. So it's, you know, you just, you join the cakewalk, you're going home with a cake. It might not be the best cake, but I mean, it might be a bunt cake or it might be a a seven layer cake, but you're going home with some kind of prize. So I don't think this is going to be easy for the Steelers. I think they're going to win. I'm actually going to go ahead and say that they beat the spread on this one. I'm going to go 26, 16, but it's, I, I think they're going to pull away in the end on this. And it's not going to be one where they just run away with it. I've seen a lot of predictions of uh, 33 to three and stuff like that. No, I'm not buying that. But I, I think this is a victory for the Steelers. You mentioned something very poignant. It's the fact that the Steelers are always accused. They have that tag of playing down a lesser competition. They've the combined victories of their entire schedule. And we can go ahead and include the Philadelphia Eagles in this so far, one, one win. That's it. One win and one tie, and that's what you're getting from Philadelphia. I don't think the Steelers have played down to the competition. I like how you said business-like. It seems like this Steeler team has a message to send, and I think they're going to go ahead and win this game. But they're not going to win games this season running away. I just don't think that's uh, their M.O. So – Take the Steelers in this game, 26 to 16, and I hope we are both right. And I don't care what the score is, as long as you get that W at the end, Kevin. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, like for the Steelers to lose to inferior opponents, they have to beat themselves. And that's one thing that we haven't done really, you know, this year. I, I mean, there, there were stretches of the Denver game where the Steelers didn't play well. They, they obviously didn't, didn't play a good first quarter against Houston, but over, over 60 minutes, um, the Steelers have been the better team and that's been reflected by their three and O start. So if they can not shoot themselves in the foot and, 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 you know, exert their will for 60 minutes, then they're going to be the better team. Um, you know, and hopefully, they, hopefully they can shake off the, you know, the mess of the last two weeks and, uh, and pick up where they left off. Because honestly, the last, the second half they played against Houston was some really good football. Really like that plan, Kevin. I tell you what, looking at the clock, it's almost game time. So grab that terrible towel, get your favorite frosty beverage, make sure the clicker is not in the couch cushions and get <laughs> ready to go. It's game time, my friend. So Let's Kevin, go. Thanks so much, buddy. Have a great time watching the game, and we'll talk to you next week. Right on, Brian. Thanks so much. Go Steelers. Go Steelers, indeed. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. We are from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and you have stumbled on the Steelers pregame show. Like Kevin just said, go Steelers. Talk to you again, my